Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, while I have you here, please consider supporting Youth Empowerment and Support Services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, YES provides immediate and low-barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. They work collaboratively within a network of care focused on the prevention of youth homelessness by providing youth with the necessary supports to stabilize their housing, improve their well-being, build life skills, connect with community, and avoid re-entry into homelessness. Learn more about how to donate or otherwise support YES by visiting YESS.org. This is Dimitri Samarov from Chicago, Illinois. And I love listening to Vish Khanna's creative control because whether he's talking to a favorite musician or actor of mine or someone I've never heard of, it's as if he's introducing me to a new friend. And the way things are going, couldn't you use a new friend? Listen now. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Greg Turkington is a prolific and influential comedic performer, writer, actor, lyricist, stand-up comic, performer, singer, and producer based in Los Angeles, California. Immersed in music from a young age, Turkington published the Breakfast Without Meat fanzine in the 1980s before he ran Amarillo Records, performed in bands like Zip Code Rapists and Faxed Head, worked at Subterranean Records, and even road-managed artists like Mr. Bungle and Link Ray, among others. Time away from music enabled Turkington to hone his skills as a performer, creating the off-color vaudeville relic Neil Hamburger, doing voice work for a long list of animated series, acting in motion pictures including Ant-Man, Entertainment, and the Comedy, and collaborating with Tim Heidecker on the remarkable and long-running web series On Cinema at the Cinema. 
As Neil Hamburger, Turkington has released 10 records with Drag City since 1996, but perhaps none is as ambitious and as fully realized as Neil Hamburger presents Seasonal Depression Suite, which is widely available on November 17th, 2023. A collaboration with the musician Eric Paparozzi and inspired by Frank Sinatra's pioneering work, Watertown, Seasonal Depression Suite is a concept record where all the action takes place in a chain hotel during the Christmas season as told via remarkably arranged and vivid songs. But it's not all Neil Hamburger on his own here. Singing characters and narrators are played by the likes of Neil Finn from Split Ends and Crowded House, Annabella Lewin from Bow Wow Wow, Alan Bishop from Sun City Girls, Bonnie Prince Billy, singer and performance artist Puddles Pity Party, voice actress Natalie Pazer, J.P. Hassan, vocalist and Frank Sinatra's granddaughter, A.J. Lambert, Paparozzi himself, and yes, Neil Hamburger. Notable participating musicians include Bob Dylan's mid-70s collaborator Scarlett Rivera and members of bands like Mr. Bungle, The Tubes, Dieselhead, Secret Chiefs 3, and The Monkees, among others. On behalf of myself and my family, I can say that Seasonal Depression Suite is one of the best records of the year, and it was a thrill to reconnect with Greg for a spirited deep dive into so many aspects of this remarkable, seasonally appropriate album. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners just like you, who follow and subscribe to this donor-driven podcast and spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creativecontrol. The Patreon is modest. I wish it was a little immodest, if you know what I mean. If you have the means and the inclination to support this show and all of the interviews that I do, please head to my Patreon. Go to the Creative Control Patreon today, if you can, and support this show with a uh, flexible monthly donation. Thank you so much. Plus, in-kind support. From Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, respectively, in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, this is episode 820 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Greg Turkington, with your host, me, Vishkana. Hi, Greg. How's it going? Never better, Vish. How are you? I'm well. It's lovely to speak with you uh, again. Where in the world are you today? Uh, I'm in Los Angeles. Nice. Wonderful. How are things going in Los Angeles today for you? <laughs> Good. You know, it's 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 a major city, so we've got we've got it all. We've got it all. And it, you know, nice nice foggy morning. Nice gloomy foggy morning of the sort that uh, you know we want this record to. Uh, <laughs> sort of reflect, but it was a rarity. It was a rarity in Los Angeles, and it's it's definitely nice when you get that thing going, and and it, it's not just the same bright sunny day that, that uh, we're accustomed to. <laughs> Appropriate for the album we're going to discuss. You may not know this, Greg. Uh, I have moved to a larger city as well. I'm in Edmonton, Alberta now. Oh, really? Okay, that's a nice city. Yeah, it's nice. My wife is uh, from here originally, and we got jobs, so we moved uh, January 2020, just as the just ahead of the pandemic. So a bit of a weird time, but uh, you're absolutely right. Living in a big city, 
it's kind of nice. They have yeah. lots of lots of things, lots of food and and all that. But uh, I, I I went up in a tower in Edmonton once. There's a tower, right? I, I think like it's Cal- Calgary has a Calgary has a tower. We were is there a lesser tower in Edmonton? Oh, I'm sure there is. I, I maybe I'm not aware of it, but uh, there might be. My, if I, I could holler at my wife, not that I've <laughs> climbed, but there's definitely one in Calgary where you and I were both in Calgary for the Sled Island Music that Festival, was, and that was brutal. But yeah, I I've been <laughs> in the Calgary one. It's got the glass floor, but I swear I've been. I think I did a whole uh, Canadian tower tour once, and, oh. but you know maybe I was just standing on the roof of a Holiday Inn Express and pretending <laughs> I was in a tower. I don't know. <laughs> there are some tall buildings here, so I'll, I'll scope this out. And uh, if there is indeed such a tower, I will visit it in your honor. How about that? Let me know how it's changed. <laughs> I will for sure. Now, uh, Greg, I, uh, I don't mean to gush right away. Uh, I'll begin by saying congratulations. On this Thank wonderful you. new album, uh, and I will tell you, uh, this this comes up on the show sometimes. My family and I listen to the music that I have to cover together often, and uh, uh-huh. it's rare. It's it's somewhat rare for something to connect with every member of my family. Now I'm talking a you know a woman in her mid forties, a child, a boy who's twelve, a a young girl who's eight, all singing along. And Whoa. laughing, laughing to at the right times. Like, I'm just mystified at uh, right times. You know what I mean? They seem to get the joke uh-huh. of this beautiful album. And it is really tr- and truly uh, a, a feat, I will say, given my experience with different records. So I just want to say congratulations uh, on this record. And, and, and furthermore, have you heard this kind of feedback from anyone else that it's uh, suitable for kids of all ages? No, and I hadn't considered that that was a possibility. You know, we haven't, because the record's not out yet, we've yeah. heard very little feedback from anyone. So this is certainly a good way to kick off the feedback season. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I have a I have a 10-year-old and he he's he's heard some of the songs because when you're mixing, you know, you um, end up playing songs over and over trying yeah. to uh, make sure you got it right. And he has asked on occasion if I would play certain songs for him when we were driving around just out of the blue, which was exciting. But his yeah. taste is all over the place, and I don't, I don't, I didn't draw any conclusions out of that. But, um, <laughs> but wow, I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited. This is, uh, you know, I guess we have the free to be you and me of the uh, of, of the 2020s, perhaps. <laughs> well, you know, my uh, first of all, some of the initial feedback as I began playing the record. From my daughter was uh, she she heard they really love my calendar lied I'll say that right off the top they wow. love they love that song my son finds it hilarious but my one of my first uh, my daughter's first questions was is he a Muppet now have you ever been uh, <laughs> asked about your affiliation with the Muppets before I never thought of that when I ponder Neil Hamburger uh, Muppets Muppetry but uh, what do you make of that I did read a review once that made that comparison. I see. Made like a Kermit the Frog comparison. Ah. Strangely, I've always thought, for whatever reason, and it, he shouldn't take this in the in the wrong way if he hears this, which he won't, but I've always thought there was a Willie Nelson, Kermit the Frog similarity in the vocal oh. stylings, you know? Oh, yeah. And uh, so, you know, maybe it's not such a bad comparison. I mean, I you know, the Neil Hamburger vocals are definitely in the... Uh, shall we say, the vaudeville tradition of uh, 
all-around entertainers that maybe shouldn't be singing, but they do have that <laughs> up their sleeve when when needed, you know? Yeah. Like your uh, Ray Bolger, Burt Lahr, those kind of guys, you know? Yeah. And uh, so that, that might cross over with the voiceover actor who does uh, puppets or Muppets. It, it does make sense. Well, they also really love It Felt Like a Dream. And they th- this is the song, uh, for those who haven't heard it yet. So, sorry, first of all, uh, Greg, uh, who is the primary singer of that song? It Felt Like a Dream. That's uh, Annabella Lewin from Bow Wow Wow. Right. So they love the lyrics in that song. And my wife does, too. This is the song about a vending machine. I presume they're singing about Neil Hamburger, potentially, at a vending machine. That's what comes into my mind. I know that it's not necessarily the, the case. Is that Have I captured that in some way accurately? You're right. And we actually confirm that in the uh, big finale where uh, Annabella and Neil Hamburger Reference the vending machine yes. incident, yes. <laughs> briefly, you know. <laughs> yes, but, um, yes, yeah. That you know that song, Annabella. I mean, she is one of my all-time favorite singers. I actually, it is the only voice of any singer that instantly will put me in a in a good mood. I use Bow Wow Wow. I, I use that for uh, basically pre-show music before every Neil Hamburger show. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it just puts me in the right mood, and uh, I just think I think she's just so incredible. I'm so in awe and have so much respect for her that when we were able to get her for this record, when I asked her if if she'd be up for it, I mean, I I still I had goosebumps when when I sat there and watched her sing it, and I still get them every time I play the song, you know. Yeah. And yeah. that was actually the only song on the record that was written specifically for somebody, you know. Oh, I see. Um, huh. You know, when it seemed possible that we could get her, we wrote a song hoping that, uh, you know, that that would work with her voice and her personality and hoping that she would do it. And if she hadn't, I think we were going to discard the song because I don't think uh, it, it would work with anyone else. Well, it's a remarkable one. And I highlighted for a couple of reasons. One, it is remarkable. Two, just so people who don't uh, maybe understand, uh, this is a multi-voiced, star-studded affair, seasonal depression suite, and uh, I want to get to the scale of this thing because I was just remarking to a colleague, a mutual friend of ours today, uh, Greg, that uh, I said, uh, are you as excited about this record as I am? Are you guys particularly excited at Drag City Records to have this album in your catalog? Because I haven't heard anything like it. I'm moved by <laughs> it. It makes me laugh. It's perfect for the season. I want to talk about the ambition, the where this came from. Let's let's start there, Greg. Uh, where did the I- idea for seasonal depression suite kind of stem from, and how did you get it on its feet? Can you speak to those things? Yeah. Well, you know, I had done a previous record, uh, still dwelling with with Eric Paparazzi, and we had such a good working relationship, and and are just on the same page about what we like and what we're trying to do. And so, uh, you know, we wanted to do another one. And he suggested, this was pre-COVID, that maybe we try uh, doing a Christmas record. And I was game, but I, I had this kind of feeling in the back of my mind that this isn't a good idea because, you know, some of my all-time favorite acts, say The Temptations, for instance, have Christmas albums, and I, I'll buy every single 
single anything that these guys will do or other groups as well. But for some reason, I just can't pull the trigger on buying the Christmas record because I don't like to hear, uh, you know, these great voices doing, you know, Santa Claus is coming to town or whatever. Mm -hmm. It just it's, there's something about it that just doesn't <laughs> doesn't appeal to me. And I thought, man, a Neil Hamburger Christmas record seems like exactly the kind of thing that anybody would just flip right past, you know. <laughs> Um, it, in Eric's mind, we were writing all the songs ourselves and they were going to be gloomy. So it wasn't going to be a standard Christmas album. So that part of it I liked. And I, I was like, well, you know, let's see what we get because I figure if we're working on it, it's probably going to go the way we want it to go. So we, um, we wrote a couple of songs and we wrote them in a, in the reverse of how we had written songs before and really the reverse of how I had ever written songs before which was in this case, he was giving me the music first and I was putting the lyrics in after, which I found to be the absolute best thing for writing lyrics that I've, uh, I've ever discovered because if I write the words first, they, they just become very wordy. You know, mm -hmm. uh, If I'm left to my own devices, there's, there's nothing stopping you and you just fill the page and the, the sentence, the, the lines are too long and everything. And having a tune already that I have to f slot things in just makes everything way more economical. And that's really how all the classic songs are is economical. You right. know what I mean? So uh, that kind of opened up the whole thing for me as, as being very different and, and very fun. So we wrote My Calendar Lied and If This Long Season. And then COVID hit and the whole thing was just put on ice for a couple of years, you know. So then, you know, Eric plays with Cat Power and they were going out on tour just last year uh, with Crowded House in Australia doing a bunch of dates. And a couple of my favorite musicians in the world, Danny Heifetz and Bear McKinnon, who were in Mr. Bungle, but are just the most versatile, most interesting musicians out there. They live in Australia. And uh, I said to Eric, do you have any days off while you're down there? And he did in Melbourne, which is where those guys live. And I said, what if we like set up a session and you were to go in and get some tracks with these guys? And then we could use that as sort of the basis to keep going with this Christmas project, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, we, we did that. We ended up getting three songs with those guys and also my friend Phil Franklin, who I used to uh, play with in this uh, band Faxed Head. And this this other fellow, this incredible pianist that I knew there, Daniel Tucheri. And um, basically, Eric just went down there and, you know, he hadn't met these guys, but they recorded a bunch of basic tracks. And he brought those back to America. And uh, when I heard them, we just got very excited about the whole thing. And, and then immediately that was all we could think about and all we could work on. And uh, we set up another session. I was doing a show up in San Francisco and set up a session there with Prairie Prince, who was on my country record, but he's just, you know, one of the premier drummers of all time with the Tubes and Todd Rundgren and all these folks. Mm -hmm. And um, and then Adam Ellis that I'd worked with uh, also on my country record, but he also plays with Prairie in numerous bands, including the Tubes. And so we got five more songs with just uh, drums and bass. And those songs were just little demos that Eric had written, and we had no no lyrics or nothing. They almost were just these five little jingles, you know. 
And so we recorded those. So when we had all that stuff, then it was a question of just figuring out what to do with it and how to finish each thing up. And I started writing these lyrics that just fell into place exactly right. Yeah. And started um, recording some Neil Hamburger vocals. And then Eric had this idea that maybe since the, the, the lyrics had the same setting of this uh, chain motel during the holiday season, he had this idea, what if we brought in other vocalists so that they became other characters mm -hmm. and that the whole thing took on more life? And also, honestly, I think it's a good idea because the Neil Hamburger vocals may be monotonous to some listeners. <laughs> and um, breaking it up like this was fun, but also it was fun figuring out for songs that we had written, who would be the best singer for this? And, and sort of looking at these songs as almost monologues from different characters in different rooms yeah. in this hotel setting yeah. where this stuff was all taking place. So, you know, it, it got away from the Christmas thing and now it's kind of more just winter in a chain motel, maybe a Best Western or a Comfort Inn, and everybody's in their room kind of wallowing in self-pity and in their own head and with lots of complaints and t telling their stories, you know? <laughs> yes. And uh, I, th I like to think of this record as a, a cross between um, the Leonard Cohen song, Paper Thin Hotel, mm -hmm. and then a, a, if somebody's printed out hundreds of the most whiny, sour TripAdvisor reviews, <laughs> and you, you drop those two elements in a blender, and this is what you get. Well, I mean, from the decision-making process to the execution, everything here, to me, seems very clever and very brilliant. I just want to home in on this notion of uh, it being a chain motel. I mean, that's just an interest. I mean, you've spent a lot of time in such places, I would think, given how much you've traveled the world and you've seen that weird mix of excitement and depression. Uh, among you and your fellow right. fellow travelers, you know, no one, I don't know if people really like being in motels and hotels. It's just something you have to do. Where did that notion come to mind? If we can just home in on that. This, again, I just want to say fully realized in a really brilliant concept. And I, I would, I would, I would begrudgingly say I would agree with you that hearing nothing but Neil Hamburger singing these songs might get trying uh, at some point. Yeah. So I think the notion of, different people's voices and in this case maybe different guests or employees uh being a part of it that's a genius idea and i think i understand but let's just home in on the motel uh for a moment why did that notion appeal to you in the realm of all uh, of a holiday record per se well you know uh, the, the the motel or hotel has been definitely a, a recurring motif in the neil hamburger world um <laughs> Definitely in the movie entertainment, there's a lot of stuff in the in the motels, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, sorry, there's a helicopter over here. But Is um, it from the Comfort Inn, do I, you they know, know we're about to talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, you know, I think the the world of the sleazy, you know, scary meth hotel is a little bit played out in in art compared to the world of just a perfectly adequate uh it's supposed to be clean and sterile maybe it's not a hundred percent but it's okay you know that sort of atmosphere and, and sort of the oppressiveness of that you know i stayed at a quality inn in new jersey uh 
last year that had the same painting on the wall twice. You know, they, they, they obviously had made multiples to fill the hotel with and they, they had it up twice in the same room, you know. Uh, it's details like that that I think were inspirational. And then also, you know, I do stay in a lot of hotels and I do read the TripAdvisor reviews. And there's something about these reviews where it's somebody gives it one star and writes about it as if they were, uh, you know, on Rikers Island. And then you get there and it's like... Yeah, this is this is fine. This is clean. <laughs> the, the the bed is comfortable. Like, what are they talking about? And then you reread the review, and it's really all about them. You right. know, it's all about they couldn't sleep because there was a, a humming sound from the elevator or something. And I'm thinking, this is the world we live in. There are sounds. <laughs> there are noises. There, you know, there's a certain amount of dirt and. <laughs> You know, everything is it's it's not a plastic bubble that we're living in. And these hotels do a decent job sometimes or usually in in making it fairly clean. But then you get these people that just they seem to be melting down over their stay. And as they describe it, you realize, like, you're the one with the problem, <laughs> not, the, not the hotel. You know, when you when you give something one star and scream that the place should be condemned because someone was having a party in the next room, that's not exactly the hotel. That's the people having the party that you should be reviewing. It's, it's an know? interesting point you raise because on songs like Sleeping for Free and Checkout Time is 11 a.m., I can't quite tell whose entitlement you're satirizing because on the one hand, I, this is not a full-throated defense of motels and hotels. Uh, it is a critique of the guests and the people who populate them. But at the same time, and I hear what you're saying, you know, some of these TripAdvisor reviews and whatnot are preposterous, you know, and that's that's certainly, I, I think, really satirized and checkout time is 11 a.m. But would you say you're an equal opportunity satirist when it comes to uh, people who stay at hotels and the people who are running these establishments? I think so. I think it's it's, you know, maybe it's the there's a, a universal bond between everyone that that we're all uh, self-absorbed and, and prone uh you know to complaining and and lonely you know yeah because um everyone's in their own head on on this record and elsewhere and um everybody's thinking that their little experience taking their little experience and blowing it out of proportion i mean there aren't any truly major awful things happening uh, on this record in this this hotel that it's set but it's you know everybody is filled with drama yeah. <laughs> you know you know and it, it could be a, a the response to to the lockdown that we all went through you know people spending a lot of time indoors in their own head feeling sorry for themselves and, and worrying about the future you know yeah um, and here it is in the world of entertainment, of showbiz, the holiday season can be an involuntary lockdown because there are a lot of things that shut down during that season. You're not going to book uh, mm -hmm. a, a comedy show on December 23rd. It's not happening, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so you kind of have this vacation, but you're not getting paid. You're just on lockdown until the season passes and you can go back to doing your shows again, you know, if you're a musician yeah. or a comedian. So. In a sense, it's it is another lockdown, and it could take place uh, in a, in a motel as you wait to kick off your tour again. 
uh, you're kind of stuck there. And uh, so I think that would be the backdrop for certainly the Neil Hamburger portion, but uh, some of the others as well. I think during this pandemic, one of the things that has sort of risen to the fore is the unforeseen levels of entitlement people actually possess when they go out into the world. Uh, you have been, I think, traveling again uh, and and somewhat, I think, rather frequently during this pandemic. Sorry, is that a mischaracterization? I've been I've been out since the since the thing kind of went waned. I mean, when it was going on, I was not doing shows. Right. I think I I think I went a year or something without doing a show. Right. And uh, and then you know came back very slowly. Right. So I, I what I was I appreciate that that um, insight. Uh, what I'm getting at is, in your travels, have you noticed any behavioral shifts uh, among your audience, among uh, people in the world? Uh, that you've sort of noticed, like you, you, you talk about some of the people that uh, populate this record and the way they're behaving, and I keep invoking the term entitlement. But are you kind of is it is it is it possible to sort of generalize about the vibe out in the world as you travel uh, around your country and around others? I suppose I'm not sure how far you've gone at this point, but are you kind of noticing that people are acting a little squirrely or different? They were, they were. Yeah. I think now, it, now they're back to their their usual ways. But when the shows first started coming back, you know, you had different, different levels of how comfortable people were yeah. with the situation, you know, yeah. and, you know, everyone's got their opinions on this, but I do find that uh, common courtesy was sometimes lacking, you know? Yeah. And that's a bummer because, you know, if you're, if you're selling merch or something like that, you know, there, there could be, a good reason to be wearing a mask right. while you're, you know, talking to a hundred people after the show. If you're trying to do ten nights of shows in a row during a pandemic, you know, the, you might be protective because you don't want to have the show end and then you're locked down in a motel somewhere in the middle of nowhere, hemorrhaging money. You know, yeah. And uh, you know, some people are courteous about that. Some, uh, unfortunately, are not. So to that level of civility and courtesy, are you saying it's sort of back up to a reasonable level again? Uh, probably as reasonable as it's going to be for <laughs> our species at this point in time, you know? That's kind of what I'm getting at. I feel like some of the characters I encounter on Seasonal Depression Suite, uh, you know, the, some of them are uh, stereotypes, but I think this is actually happening as I go out into the world, watching people drive and with the impatience and a lack of courtesy and going to whatever, the grocery store, I, I feel it. And I'm not looking for it. I just sort of sense yeah. it and I feel it. And I just wonder if these are some of the same people that are mentioned certainly on checkout time is 11 a.m., which, by the way, back to the Muppets, kind of reminded me of like a Muppets uh, piece for some reason. I think that chorus of voices, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that, 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 you know, that song is sort of the revenge of the... Uh of the hotel itself. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of base. It's kind of like a, a musical, uh, post stay survey. You know, everybody's trying to get you to do surveys now for everything. Uh, as I'm sure you've noticed, yeah. you, know, you buy a, a, you buy a paper clip and you're supposed to spend 15 minutes doing a <laughs> survey about your experience, you know? So on that, you know, it's, it's basically like, here is the survey and, and it's, you know, also, 
a chance for the hotel to sort of throw in their two cents about what they've been dealing with. But the the song itself was actually modeled after, um, you know, that Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band movie. Yes. With the Bee Gees yeah. and Peter Frampton. Yep. There's a ver- there's a version in that of uh, She's Leaving Home that is just it's just ghastly, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and it has some like vocoder on it for no, no good reason, you know, just, it's just, you know, why is it, why, why are there robots on she's leaving home? What, what's happened to your story here? I mean, the narrative in that is in that movie is a mess anyway, but when, when the robots show up to sing on she's leaving home, you know, you're like, okay, these guys are just doing whatever the hell they want here. Yeah. Uh, and, um, so, you know, I don't know why we were watching this, Eric and I, but we were watching it. And and we said, this vibe is what we want for this finale, you know. And it's just like the, the, whole, the whole musical, as it were, is going off the rails right here, you know. With a, with a, and so you've got – oh, sorry. I was just going to say, with a multi-layered um, production like this, uh, that is, you know, satire at its core – are you? Do you feel like you're making fun of? Mu- Sorry, making fun is the wrong term. Maybe it's not the wrong term. I can see you paying homage to certain musical styles. Are you making fun of them as well? Would you say you and Eric in some regard? I don't think so. I think we're. I think we genuinely like like them all, including that she's leaving home. I mean, it's it was a bold move for them to do it that way, and it doesn't exactly work. But then it kind of does work in that it stands out, and that we were talking about it days later. Yeah, you know, yeah. about why did they do this? You know, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think we were really trying to make fun of of any musical styles on this. I mean, we we are always um, our guiding light for from the beginning of us collaborating has always been the uh, Frank Sinatra album Watertown, mm-hmm. which. If the listeners haven't heard it, pick it up. It is, it is. I think Frank Sinatra's finest moment, and coincidentally, his poorest selling album of all time. Hmm. And it's, it's, a, con- it's, it's a concept a, concept record as well. Yeah, it's a concept yeah. record as well about a man who has been divorced, or his wife has left him, and uh, he's sort of reflecting on this in song and. Some of the things he's talking about may be imagined, you know, there's definitely a lot of self-pity, a lot of self-reflection, and perhaps some uh, imagination going on as well as to what's actually happening. And it's just, it's a really interesting record. It was written by uh, Bob Gaudio of the Four Seasons and uh, this guy, Jake Holmes, and they wrote it for Frank Sinatra. And you know, it was the end of the 60s. It was after uh, the Richard Harris album, A Tramp Shining, had come out. These sorts of uh, middle-aged men concept records were a thing. But for whatever reason, the public was not not at all interested. And there was a TV, like a, almost a made-for-TV movie or special they were going to do as a follow-up. And that got canceled and the whole thing just bit the dust. Yeah. Now it seems that people have started to recognize it and there was a, a nice reissue recently with some alternate versions and things like that. But that was super on our mind. And then also Jesus Christ Superstar because, right. yeah. you know, that started out as a record. That was that was done as a record. These guys are like, let's make this record. And it was only later that it became a musical that was presented on stage. But I I really like that there was a time where people could make something that elaborate 
as a record. And that was a viable thing to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, in that vein, uh, and I don't mean to jump the gun because this, as we're speaking, this album isn't even out yet. Um, did you, or rather, do you envision a time where seasonal depression suite could be staged in some way? Cause it seems ripe for such a, a thing. I would attend every staging of this i'll tell you that right now i i I enjoy it immensely but have you and eric had any kind of conversation about you know expanding this into a production of some kind well that wasn't the intention but i sure wouldn't complain if (laughs) (laughs) somehow the resources were available to make that happen you know i mean um as with tommy or or really any of these uh concept albums or musicals or rock operas or whatever the plot itself is a little vague, and uh, sometimes that lends itself to these stage productions better than something that's more spelled out. Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, you know, there definitely be some blanks to be filled in, and I think the whole thing's only, you know, thirty-five minutes or something. So we would probably need some additional material, but um, it could work. It could work. I, th- I, I'm just telling you, I think it could. And I, who am I to say these things? But I, I just, I, I love it so much. You've alluded, we've alluded well, to some. Thank you. Well, you're welcome, uh, Greg. You know I'm a fan, but I'm honestly, uh, sorry. I don't know. You can't be objective about this. Does this feel special in your trajectory thus far? Like, does this seem? I know we're excited. It's out. It's not out yet, and we're excited about it. But do you? Can you objectively look at this and be like, man? Me and Eric really made something significant here. I'm sorry. I don't mean to put the, 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 the onus on you to compliment yourself, but... I know. <laughs> well, you know, um, yes, yes. I mean, when we were working on it, we knew this is the one. You know what okay, I mean? Okay, good. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I have anything like this that I've done before, and I don't know that we could do it again. But it was... The weird thing was it wasn't just the quality of what we were getting it was the the way that it was coming yeah it really felt and I, and you know you see this sometimes with with great records and and I'm you know I'm not saying this is a great record but I do, I do really like it but it, it it felt like the songs were being dropped into our heads yes like yes th- there there wasn't the um we worked hard on it but it was like we didn't work hard on writing the songs the songs just appeared fully formed <laughs> it was very weird eric would write the the music and he's like i, I haven't written songs this fast before and the lyrics i just hear them and just do 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 and there it was yeah. and i'm like my god i i don't have these skills normally why why is this working so easily it was like a the you know the hot knife through butter the real work was then taking what we had written and trying to respect the fact that we've been given this gift of actually having something that you're doing creatively come out as well as you would want. And then the work is like, let's respect that and make sure that we do this right. Because my philosophy, especially with music, has always just been crank it out as fast as you can, get it done, you know? Yeah. It's better to to get something finished than to slave away at it for years and not finish it, has been my philosophy. But with this, I, I just was like, we got to really do this right. So, you know, we discussed everything in great detail so that we were on the same page. And then it was, it was funny how much we were both so, uh, 
not to sound like an ass, but, but you know, we were basically in love with our own project. <laughs> You're proud of really it. Want, you were, you, we you, wanted it to work. We yeah, wanted it to yeah. be good. You know, we didn't want to fuck it, fuck it up and have it be, you, you know, there's so many things that you can do where it's over and it comes out and you listen to it and you go, eh, yeah. like, that could have been better. And then it's ruined, you know, then you'll never listen to it again. Unfortunately, I feel like that a lot of times. So I wanted to have a different experience for myself of being 100% satisfied with this because I felt like these songs kind of uh, presented themselves as like, here we are, you know, now <laughs> do the right thing, you know? <laughs> well, and um, it was weird. I appreciate the kind of uh, weird effortlessness that spurred some of these songs on, but I was happy to hear you just describe the level of detail that you two were pondering because from the album cover alone, I am in a, I'm in a motel room. I'm in a hotel room. Like it's uh-huh. such a creepy, let me, let me just, uh, I'm going to try to describe this to people. Uh, Greg, tell me if I've got this right or wrong, whatever. When you go to a, a hotel or a motel, often you draw the curtains. And for some reason, uh, when the morning comes, it's the brightest sun of all time. When you're in a hotel, I don't know what it is. You've got, that's why they put all those drapes and curtains in there. I don't know how they make that happen. Am I correct? The album cover depicts that morning moment, right? Where the sun is. Yeah. 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 It's like the it's like the windows are magnifying glasses or something. You know? it, absolutely. <laughs> because it does. Yeah. If there's one little spot, if there's if somebody's taken a pin and popped a hole in the curtain and there's that little dot <laughs> and it just goes straight onto your face and yes. it will burn a hole right through your skull, <laughs> you know, right, right through to the floor. Yeah, it wakes absolutely. you it wakes you up. And then like some of these j- lyrics are so like to me they're just so perfectly funny. Uh, I don't have the lyric sheet in front of me. I don't know that I was sent it. So I'm going to mangle some of these, but like I believe it is it's Alan Bishop who sings Security Guard, is that correct? Yeah. 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 So Security Guard come to my floor. I don't want to be insecure anymore. This, if I did, I say that correctly. Did I get it you right? You sure did. You yeah. sure did. And you almost were singing. So I was close. That maybe you'll be in the in, in the in the big Broadway production. I can be in the stage production if, if, if Alan's not available. <laughs> My wife and I, every time, like again, I don't know how to stress this enough. It's just been played maybe fifty times already uh, within my family. Just it's playing a Whoa. lot because we really like it. Yeah, it's requested. We I have to play it. Everyone's singing along and laughing. Anyway, things like that. And then I, I you know, there's lots of people that I want to talk to you about in terms of their contributions. But this uh, Puddles Pity Party rendition of Maids Can't Mop Up Memories. I mean, for me, it's so engrossing. Does that stand out for you in particular? I know it's hard to pick a favorite, but that's just a beautiful performance. And again, I'll mangle the lyrics. I believe it's, uh, no, I, I'm going to screw it up. I feel like I'm going to get all the brand names wrong. It's, Lysol kills the germs, Febreze can mask the smell, but maids can mop up memories. Did I get that right? Or wipe away pure hell. Or yeah, wipe- you got it right. Okay, you good. Got- sorry. I'm riffing off the top of my head. Right. I, don't, I don't have anything in front of me. I'm sorry. <laughs> just be- beautiful, evocative lyrics. Um, did any, I asked about, uh, uh, the puddles pity party. First of all, did your guests actually, um, contribute to the final product in any way? Let's start there. Did they say, I like what you've done. I have an idea. Did anyone surprise you with something they did, uh, with these songs? Uh, no, I mean, we kind of picked the people because we could hear it ahead of time. We're like, I see. this, okay. this is, this would sound good with this person. And then they always surprised us because it was 
even better than imagined, you know. But it yeah. was interesting how few takes everybody needed. They kind of just came in. It's like the whole thing was like this. Everything just kind of would drop into place. Like it was this automatic process that I'm not used to at all. So, you know, with him, he came in and he was like, yeah, these are good lyrics, it's, you know, and whatever. And he came in and he sang it once and it was perfect. So we're like, well, I guess sing it again. So we have another version, you know, wow. but there was no, there was no need. And, you know, it's not an easy song to sing. I mean, he's he's like a Tom Jones kind of guy who's got this big yeah. voice that can do absolutely anything. But, I mean, it was such a moving performance. You know, it was so emotional. And, uh, you know, maybe there is something to uh, first takes are are the best, you know, when, when somebody's really giving it their all. I, I don't know, but... Um, it was in Annabella too. It was two takes, you know. Yeah. It's it's kind of shocking. It's kind of shocking, you know. <laughs> and then you know, uh, Bonnie Prince Billy. He 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 did his his track in Kentucky. But my God, you know, it's like I, I'm not one of these uh, teary eyed people. But that thing came in and it was just so moving, you know. <laughs> Hearing him go into these higher notes and it is just yeah. so beautiful yeah and i i you know i don't know there like we didn't actually have to give much direction it was more just we picked the people that the songs would work with and that yeah. that, that there was a reason it's those people you know and i'm glad that that we sort of had in our mind what what we wanted so well that when eric suggested someone or i suggested someone we're just like of course, of course, you know, yeah. and then you give it to the people and they do, of course, what it is they do that makes them such greats on their own. Yeah. Uh, it was, yeah, very weird, very weird process. You know? <laughs> it seems like a, very fortuitous, it seems. Well, I mean, when you're, you know, we're, you're working on a creative project, you're kind of tossing around all the recent influences that you have and the deep influences that you've had all your life and the experiences you've gone through. And you're trying to line them up and mold them into something. In this case, it was like the subconscious mind had handled all that for us and just was like, here it is, it's spitting it out, fully yeah. formed. That's that's what it felt like. And it was um I guess what you're what you're hoping for, but you know, sometimes you can also sit around for a couple of years. I know I've gone years and years and years without writing any lyrics, and when I attempted, it they were just pathetic, you know. Yeah, and, and it's just like I, I actually thought like I think I'm done writing songs ever again. I think I've, that's just dried up. That's just over. You know, that's um, that's fascinating to me because like I, 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 I I'm sorry if I did a clumsy job rendering them, but I think these are some fantastic lyrics. Like they really it it has a lot to do with how they're uh, performed and and whatnot, but. Um, like to be honest, and I don't know if you're a fan uh, or uh, particularly or not, but it felt like a dream. Reads to me like a latter day Silver Jew song by David Berman. Like it, it has that level of detail and structure. Wow, I love that. It really and the guitar solo. Sorry, may I ask to interject on my mm -hmm. interject for myself? I, I'm, I'm going to interrupt myself by asking <laughs> who performs the guitar solo in that song. That whole song does remind me of something that could be off of the the last Silver Jews record. But uh, again, I'm getting uh, in my own way. Do you recall who does the guitar solo on It Felt oh, Like a I Dream? Lo I, I love this comparison. Um, yeah, that's that's Eric. He, um, 
he put that guitar solo down on, on basically the demo. He, he made a demo. I gave him the lyrics and he'd written the music and recorded a demo with him singing so that we'd have something to send to Annabella. Yeah. And um, that guitar solo was on there and he was like, yeah, this is just a temp thing. It was just like first, first run through temp huh. until we actually take the thing into the studio and then he'll put down the real guitar solo. And I was like, no, 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 no. That, that's the final guitar solo. And then, you know, when we were in the recording studio, he was like, let me try that guitar solo again because that was a temp. And I, and I was like, no, don't e- I don't even want you to try it. I just don't, I don't want that touched. You know, that's, it's beautiful. that's exactly, exactly yeah. what we want, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that's, that's what it is. It was like whatever, his first run through temp, temp solo, you know. Well, again, in Sleeping for Free, I would put in the same category of a song that reminded me of, of David. Um, just uh, sorry to go on an aside here. I don't know if you had a relationship with him or are a fan particularly, but is David... I, I, I knew I knew him, and, and, and I mean, is such a sweet, wonderful person. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so this is, it, it's, it's very interesting to hear. Well, as you may or may not know, I'm a long been a huge fan of David's and, and we spoke and all yeah. those sorts of things. And, uh, so yeah, I don't know if I, obviously I have a bias cause I know his work and I'm not, it's not overt, but I just pick up on it and it, it's that level of sharpness and, and humor that I would hear in David's and narrative sort of structure even sometimes in some of his work. Anyway, Greg, you're your own thing, but I just, I hear that and hearing Will sing about mini shampoos with the same passion and gusto (laughs) that he sung (laughs) about all sorts of other headier topics. It's just a remarkable thing you've done. And I I don't mean to keep stressing that, but I I think it's a remarkable thing. I love to hear it because, you know, we'll probably hear the opposite plenty. So I, will so, I will soak in this right now. But, you know, I, I, I feel like a lot of the you – know, take Leonard Cohen or, or Will or Bill Callahan for that matter. Yeah. Uh, to me, some of the people that are known for uh, gloom and doom in their lyrics and for being super serious, I think write some of the funniest – lyrics i've ever heard yes you know yes uh, and and i don't understand why people they, it's almost like they don't notice that you know when they talk about uh, leonard cohen being music to slit your wrists to or whatever and you know and 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 bill and will like these guys are very 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 funny you know? yes and it's, yeah. it's 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 interesting because something like well anything that i'm going to do as, a, as somebody that's known as a comedian it's like the first thing somebody's going to want to say is this is novelty music. Whereas if Bill Callahan has a very funny song, no one's ever going to say this is veering into novelty music. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Those guys will forever be thought of as serious singer songwriters. And somebody like myself is going to be very hard to get past, you know, novelty joke music or whatever. But in fact, you know, um, despite whatever your main thing is, you know, there's crossover and they're sort of going back and forth and it's all serious points that I think the best humorists are, are working towards. They just have a different route to get there, you know, and these people who are so serious have incredible senses of humor because what better way than to deal with some of the awful things thrown in our direction. Yeah. Well, growing up in the um, eighties and nineties, as I did with AM and FM radio, Someone like Neil Finn in Crowded House in particular meant a lot to me. And he is also a very funny 
a songwriter. And, and, and yet he's... Very funny. Yes, he's given the task of singing this fairly maudlin song. <laughs> Here comes the season again. Um, so it is a little of a bit of juxtaposition. It, it does have a lot to do with context. You're right. And, and I've, I think that's why I'm so excited is that this doesn't strike me as a, a novelty record. It's just a really smart, funny, and deeply affecting Watching my wife in particular, my wife is you know my main sort of listening partner these days as well as, sure. as well as my my kids. So watching her react with joy at a song like "Maids Can't Mop Up Memories" or "Coming Apart at the Seams," you know, it's it's really heartening. I think it's that sweet spot between earnestness and and irreverence. And you know, I think this is maybe one of the most jarring examples of that line that Neil Hamburger, if you will, <laughs> can kind of tread. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. And, yeah. th- you know, it's it's funny because we were on the same page with this, but there was some point where we're like, we're just going to let this record be what it's going to be. You know, yeah. we sort of had discussions beforehand or whatever, but then as new things happened, it really did feel like I said, like the record was was leading the way. You know, yeah, yeah, and so the the amount of humor in it that's that's the way it went. The length of some of the songs, you know, some of the songs are short, and it was like, well, we could we could fill this out, we could extend this, but it seems that this is what it's going to be. This is what I want it to be, and there it is. <laughs> it's very, just very weird, very weird process. Well, and I, I I neglected to mention cats and dogs, which has become one of my uh, daughter's favorite songs, and in fact. We were just at a gathering for our family, and she was singing it. Uh, and my son said, "Ramona, you can't sing. Cats and dogs are better than uncles and aunts. Our uncles and aunts are all around." Which I thought was a little bit funny. I don't mean to be cutesy, but it was amusing that he picked up on. You can't sing that right here. It's insulting. <laughs> but anyway, can we talk a little bit? So this is a song uh, for those who haven't heard it yet. Cats and dogs is a song uh, sung uh, from a child's perspective, I believe. By a child, am I framing this correctly, Greg? That's right. You're yeah. right. And and who is the singer? That's Eric's daughter, Miranda. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, uh, I think she was, she may have been 11 when she did the vocal, or 12. But um, you know, her her grandmother is is uh, Nancy Sinatra, and <laughs> her her <laughs> grandfather is Frank Sinatra, and her her mother, AJ Lambert, is an incredible singer with her own style. And so, you know, Miranda, she, um, she plays the drums and she plays the bass and she plays guitar and she's super musical, but she doesn't fancy herself as a singer. But when the song was written and we were talking about, well, what do we do with this one? I suggested, what if Miranda sang it? Because I just knew she would get it right. You know? And again, this was another one of these, um, first take, okay, we got it. (laughs) Then we asked her to do a second take, you know, and it was just, everything's perfectly in tune and it's, it's, it's beautiful and it's a moving vocal. And then she said, can I do some harmonies at the end there? And we said, of course you can, you know? So, so she went in and added that stuff and, uh, you know, was in and out of the studio in half an hour or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was funny. I was actually, that song was written in a motel I was staying in a motel in Santa Barbara with with my kid who's 10 years old and Eric had sent over 
the instrumental track and said, what do you think about this as a song? And I, I played it on my phone and my kid is like, what is that? I love this. Play it again. Play it again. You know, play it again. And uh, he just wanted to hear the instrumental so many times. And uh, I, I was like, you know, I'll write some words. You know, oh, <laughs> just I'm so glad on the on the motel stationery. I wrote the words and sent them back to Eric. And it was like, yep, perfect. You know, and it just again, it was like, you know, instant. But then it it feels like if I'd spent a year in front of the computer trying to do this, like I often do with other things, I would have just been pulling my hair out and getting frustrated and, and saying, maybe I should go back to the job in the chemical factory that I had before <laughs> I was doing this stuff. You know what I mean? Well, I, I will say that's, I'm, I'm glad there was that uh, series of events because hearing the child's voice on this album opens it up in quite an interesting way. I, I can't help but feel that earlier when I suggested that my children in particular, particular really, you know, this record's really resonating with them, you seemed surprised. I guess you just haven't heard that kind of feedback before, but as we're speaking, as we ponder the song we were just discussing, are you opening up to this notion that this is really potentially an interesting album for families to process? Because while it's dark, the music is not, generally. It's quite uplifting and and melodramatic and i think i i will tell you i was surprised by how well my kids got these jokes i respect my kids they like comedy they they love to laugh but i was just hearing where they were laughing i'm like wow they got it they got the satire yeah. part like um sorry do you see now how <laughs> you might have broader appeal for a neil hamburger record than maybe you envisioned I mean, you make a very good case, and, and <laughs> I, you know, I, I trust you. So, I mean, uh, I'm I'm going to definitely, uh, when I get off the phone, I'm going to ponder this because I I don't believe there's any obscenities on this record, which may be a first for anything I've been associated with. You know, yeah, no, it, and, and, uh, it's got that little bit of it's grumpy, but it's it's grumpy. It's yeah. like motel traveler grumpy. You know, it's the way. We get a little bit grumpy, even if we're on a vacation. You're just a little, why is this vending machine so shitty? You know, why? <laughs> you get that little bit of edge. But no, I, like I said, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, you know, my kids are cool. I like my kids. So I, I but I, I feel like they could be a litmus test for the potential audience for this wonderful festive record. That's all I want to say. Well, I love this. I love hearing this. I mean, to me, <laughs> this is an uplifting record. To me, this is another, you know, it's it's always a struggle with, with folks such as myself that are perceived as being negative people or having a negative slant to everything because the negativity is generally out, out of disappointment that, that the positivity that we yeah. are feeling and would like like to see in the world isn't coming through. You know what I mean? And sometimes it's hard to uh, regurgitate these thoughts and have them come out as positive. It just comes out as negative. Yeah. Um, yeah. In this case, I do feel that it's a it is a positive listening experience because it's it's you know the laughter you know well you know laughter makes us feel good. That's that's a fact. And in this case, the combination of the music and the and the the, the whole thing, I find it I find it uplifting personally. But you know I I, I made it so. Don't listen to me. No, you should, I do listen to people your should listen, you should People should listen to you and listen to me. I will tell you, I don't know that I'll ever forget my daughter 
hearing my calendar light come on, not only singing along, but doing a Neil Hamburger impression. Like, I can't tell you how meaningful that is to me on some level. Now, I will say, it's not like I'm going to fire up on cinema or some some other Neil Hamburger material for her at this age. But it's just a really beautiful moment for me to see her in the kitchen trying to do an impression. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's touching and amusing to me. So I just want to thank you for this gift you've given my family, whether you realize it or not. I just, oh, it means a lot. I'm thrilled. Well, yeah. I'm, I mean, the gift is you telling me this because oh. this is, you know, why we do this stuff. It's not to reach everybody. It's just to reach the folks that might actually uh, be on the same page as us, which yeah. may be a limited number, but I'm, I'm glad that your family is, is part of that group. Oh, I'm going to share this around as much as I can, let people know about this record, because I, I do think uh, when it comes out, it, it will be uh, something that people will, should want to in this very strange and uncertain time delve into a festive record that also it, it gets a little dark. And I think that's where we're kind of at. So I feel like it's a perfect time. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. And I got to say the um, one thing that's maybe it's a little different on this than from previous records with Neil Hamburger vocals is that we had access to use a microphone for the vocals that was a very, very, very high-end microphone that had previously been um, owned by Leonard Cohen and used on some of his records. But oh wow, um, that you know, I, I'm not a gear guy at all, and uh, I feel like I probably would have been happy to do the vocals on a on a, an old Radio Shack uh, suction <laughs> cup mic that you would use to record phone conversations. You know, but sure, we, yeah. we we had access to this this mic, this good mic, and used it and. Again, like with a mic this good, I started to realize how some of these, uh, shall we say, distressed vocalists, voc- vocalists with voices that may not be, you know, Pavarotti, mm-hmm. but how so much of their personality can come through and it, it makes it work when you have stuff recorded this beautifully, you know? Yeah, yeah. And the Neil Hamburger vocals, I, I was kind of amazed by the uh, the sound that we got on those. It's it, it was weird. When I was singing it through this mic with the headphones on, I had the experience that I was listening to these vocals and wasn't even singing them. As mm. I was singing, it, in my headphones, I'm like, wow, this is sounding interesting. This is good. And then I'm like, wait a minute. No, my mouth is moving. I'm doing this, you know. <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you create an alter ego like you have, do you often have sort of um – maybe not out-of-body experiences, but sort of detached moments as you get into character, so to speak? Uh, I think at this point I've been doing it so long that it is just like flipping a coin, you know? It's like, okay, I'm, I'm Neil now. And then when I'm in Neil, I'm, I'm mentally in that zone so that I can yeah. respond, respond as Neil to anything that happens, which, of course... The, the worst aspect of that was in Calgary at the Sled Island Festival when somebody physically attacked me on stage uh, oh, and, no. I, and I responded as Neil Hamburger <laughs> and didn't break character, even though I was, you know, had a, a, a was assaulted and police were called and that sort of thing. But it was, oh, dear. it was like, wow, okay, I guess I do stay in character. <laughs> you know what I mean? If I stayed in character when I'm being assaulted, 
then I guess I'm pretty good at staying in character, you know, which may not be a good thing, actually. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have stayed oh, no. in character. Was that, but, was I that did, the, but I did. Was that the second night? I know you did two nights, right? Uh, yeah, we did. We were there a couple years. Oh, th- okay. And, Sorry. And so, yeah, I don't remember if it was the first year or the second year, but, okay. uh, you know. I'm sorry to hear that. That's terrible. Uh, it wasn't the best. It wasn't the best. But yeah. uh, well, listen, you know. I, I didn't mean to delve into the darkest and saddest parts of Neil <laughs> Hamburger's existence uh, as we wrap up here. The one we've talked about a lot of the contributors and collaborators. Greg, I'm a tremendous uh, fan of uh, Bob Dylan, Scarlett Rivera. Uh, this name stuck out to me uh, as a contributor to this record. Uh, Scarlett Rivera, for those who don't know, very famously part of Bob Dylan's Rolling Thunder Review in in the mid-70s there, and is kind of, I think, primarily known, maybe, for that. I don't mean to reduce anything else um, that uh, she has done. How did you come to work with her uh, exactly? Uh, can you speak to that? Well, first of all, I'll say this, that Desire, which is the, the album that she's introduced on, has always been, without a doubt, my favorite Bob Dylan album. I, oh, I just, nice. There's something about the sound of that thing that it, it doesn't sound like any other Bob Dylan record or any other record in the world, you know? Yeah, yeah. And the dominating force on that record is, in fact, Scarlett Rivera. You know, yeah. her, her her violin playing on that, it's just, it's very, very interesting. And, you know, when you find out later that, you know, Dylan would have these people come in on that record and run through what they thought was the first rehearsal of the song and he's recording it and saying, okay, we got that one. (laughs) And they're like, wait a minute. I I was, I was playing very loosely because I was feeling the song out or whatever. And he's like, no, no, that's, that's what I wanted. You know, I I just always been fascinated with that record. And Eric knew somebody that had worked with her and brought it up because he, he's a big, big Dylan guy. In fact, he's with with Cat Power. They've been doing uh, yes. Dylan live at the yeah at yeah. the Royal Albert Hall. But uh, you know, Eric's a, a big Dylan guy, and um, he knew someone who worked with Scarlett and said, you know, we should maybe try approaching her. Who knows? Maybe she'd play on this. You know, yeah, yeah. And so he did reach out and he did send a couple of songs, and she was game. And she came into the studio, and uh, I mean, it's just. You know, th- th- these sorts of thrills for, for someone like myself, of you're just sitting there as she's playing this stuff live, and it sounds like the Scarlett Rivera playing that, that I love and that I grew up with. I think I bought that Desire record when I was 12 years old, you know? So wow. it's, 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 it's very in, in my blood, you know? And, uh, and then she's doing this on our little songs that we wrote. Uh, it's, you know, these are, these are the kind of thrills you just, you can't, you can't top, you know? And and it, she was just amazing. She's just amazing. She she played and she's like, yeah, I'm 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 just getting. Let's do another take. And she wanted to do a few takes, all of them different than each other, all of them absolutely phenomenal. You know, what a remarkable thing for you. I'm just so happy for you, Greg. You know, you've got the if I if, if people scan the credits here and you see associations with Frank Sinatra. Split ends, bow wow wow, Sun City Girls. Like it's it is the monkeys. I'm just looking at this as I'm speaking now. <laughs> it's what a remarkable thing you've done here. And uh yeah, I think I've uh, gushed enough, maybe, maybe not. I just want to say uh, uh congratulations again. And I hope uh we do get to a point um where this can be 
you know, staged in some economical and effective way. <laughs> so it's, uh, I, I really do. I, yeah, I hope so too. And I, I also hope that people take note of, of the music that Eric wrote yes. and arranged that was like, this guy needs to, uh, needs to be working with some big names soon because he's just absolute genius and just so fun to work with yeah. and so full of, excess of good ideas you know what i mean oh, yeah. i'm just so lucky that uh to know eric and to uh to have him want to work with me on something like this yeah the dynamic range of this record is really remarkable so it, it is uh you're, you're traveling you're you're traveling musically as you go through this record and uh i can't stress enough how enjoyable it has been for me and my family so again congratulations greg if people want to learn more about seasonal depression suite which is out on Drag City Records on November 17th, uh, 2023. Uh, where else would you like them to go besides uh, maybe the Drag City site uh, to keep tabs on you and and maybe uh, updates about this record? Well, there's an Instagram, actual Neil Hamburger. There's another Instagram that Eric set up that we haven't done much with, but we are going to, which is uh, Seasonal Depression Suite. I think we're going to oh, okay. start including uh, photos of of hotel rooms basically <laughs> that might supplement this. He took the uh, front cover photo uh, while he was on tour with cat power and he got oh, COVID wow. in Germany and he was stuck at the Hilton garden Inn for 10 days or something waiting for the COVID to go away so he could rejoin the cat power tour. And that's when he took that cover photo. And huh. uh, so, you know, when, when we were looking for artwork for this, we realized we both had our phones full of weird uh, hotel imagery, and so we went, went through that and picked out what we could that that would work. So that that could be an interesting uh, Instagram uh, site when we really get it going. It's a remarkable. So this was a photo he took, like with his telephone. Yeah, yeah. Wow, it's striking. I'm sorry. I know I asked about it <laughs> yeah. earlier. It's it's really uh, haunting and striking. I, I just can't. It works so perfectly. All right. Well, so we'll it's check beautiful. In. Yeah. Okay. So for more info, Instagram. Um, Greg, if we can go out on a song from Seasonal Depression Suite, can you give a, a suggestion here and maybe tell us why uh, you thought of that song? You know what? I'm going to ask you to ask your kids what they think would be the <laughs> best representation okay. because uh, they, they, they seem to be on the same page as me, and I think they're going to have the, they're, they're going to have the best choice. Well, I feel like uh, they're, they're such good kids that they left me alone. And uh, to to be have some privacy during this interview, so I can't holler at them now. But knowing what I know about <laughs> knowing what I know about them, I'm gonna go. I think with it felt like a dream. They both really love that song. As I say, my daughter has uh, particular favorites. But what do you make of that? Shall we go with it felt like a dream? I think so. Yes, I think that's the song I listen to the most personally yeah. of this record because. I have been an Annabella fan since, you know, I was a, a teenager and I've just had to pinch myself so many times that to, when I hear her singing these words, you know. Well, for what it's worth, it's resonating with uh, my kids as well. So there's something to this song, something magical. Let's hear it right now. This is It Felt Like a Dream from Seasonal Depression Suite. Oh, sorry. Neil Hamburger presents Seasonal Depression Suite out on Drag City. Greg, uh, always such a pleasure and an honor that uh, you make time for me. I really uh, appreciate uh, getting to speak with you. And I, again, I can't uh, congratulate you enough on this record. I wish you the best of luck in the future, and I hope we speak again soon. Thank you, Vish. And I think you know that I have a no podcasts policy, but when uh, 
when your name comes up, I'm like, yes, 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 yes. Always, always talk to him. <laughs> Very flattering. And I, I can't thank you enough. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's always such a joy to get to have a, a conversation with uh, Greg Turkington. Uh, but I must say I'm particularly proud uh, to be a part of the uh, sort of uh, 
press rollout, I suppose, for this uh, remarkable album, Seasonal Depression Suite. It really is something else. I hope you'll check it out uh, and uh, that you were intrigued by this conversation, which appeared on the 820th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One podcast network and is available just about wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you're looking for, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control or follow it on various social media platforms that may or may not still exist by the time you hear this episode. For example, the show has a page on Facebook still, which you can like or follow. You can also follow the show currently on Twitter, at Vish Creative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram, at Vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol to make a flexible monthly donation to support the work I do on this podcast. It's a very modest Patreon. It is not commensurate with the amount of work that goes into making this show. Uh, Like all creative types, I like to do the work. Uh, But every once in a while, I think, man, it'd be nice to get compensated well. Uh, for the work so uh, you know whatever I'm not trying to guilt anybody here I'm just telling you the reality of the situation I love doing the show I wish it was all I can do uh, all I had to do rather to uh, support my family but it isn't uh, so yeah that's why it's it's one of the things I have so just so you know $6 American or more a month grants you access to exclusive content you get episodes earlier than everybody else and uh, and other perks as well. If you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, just message me on Patreon, and I will get you one while supplies last. Again, thank you for supporting the show on Patreon. Thanks again also to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, all independent businesses that support this show with uh, in-kind donations. I also want to thank Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music that he has created on this show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Greg Turkington. Uh, Again, this album, Seasonal Depression Suite, is just fantastic. I hope you will check it out. It's available on Drag City and uh, all the other places where you get music. And uh, yeah, check that out. Also, please subscribe to this podcast or follow it and tell your friends all about it. And maybe they'll do the same if you spread the word. Thank you again for listening. I will talk to you very soon, I hope. Bye for now.